Well, good morning. Uh, my name is uh, Jake. I'm on uh, staff here um, at Creekside as the student ministries director, and um, I have the privilege of teaching us this morning, uh, and it's so good just even the past 30 minutes or so worshiping with you all, um, hearing everyone's voices together, uh, sing to the Lord, and we're going to keep talking about Jesus and what he's done for us um, and the, the life he invites us into. So, uh, we're going to be, uh, yeah, Steve's on, on vacation this weekend, so that, that's why you have me up here, uh, if you're wondering. Why is Jacob there? So <laughs> uh, I'll be preaching. Um, so we're going to be in, continuing the Gospel of John, so you can open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 10, and um, we're going to be in verses 1 through 21. Um, I'll talk about my outline there later on. Um, Next Sunday, Steve uh, will be back preaching. Uh, he'll be finishing up uh, chapter 10 of John. And then <clears throat> we're going to be taking a break from uh, that book as a church for the remaining Sundays in July and throughout August. And we're going to be doing a seven-week series uh, we're calling uh, The Shepherd and His Prayer. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 23, uh, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, and then look at uh, the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6. So um, there'll be a handful of men from the body scheduled to, that are scheduled to preach uh, in this series. Um, so I would just encourage you um, to be reading and meditating on Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 in just preparation for, uh, for that time. So, And I got to give props to Steve here um, because the, the passage that I'm preaching on right now uh, fits so nicely uh, with our upcoming s uh, series of, of The Shepherd and His Prayer. And it must have been the work of a master planner, right? Someone who just loves looking at calendars and uh, deciding, you know, how this is all going to land uh, perfectly. Uh, and if, you know, why are people laughing at that? Um, <laughs> uh, Steve's super public about uh, just kind of some calendar anxiety. And I was telling Steve, you know, you should just own this. Like, just say, yeah, like this has been years in the making. This series, the fact that we'd be in this part in, of John uh, where we're talking about the Good Shepherd. And then we're going to go into this series like 21 years ago when the church started. This was part of the plan. So, uh, <laughs> No, uh, but in all seriousness, like, let's, let's credit the Lord uh, for just arranging it this way. Um, and I think we're going to be, it's going to be edifying to have this passage, be looking at this passage as we uh, move into um, the, the series coming up. So, um, so yeah, with that, uh, why don't you stand with me um, out of respect for God's word. I will read our passage this morning and then... Um, we can get into it. Uh, so this is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will f flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and this um, have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? All right, you may be seated. Let me, let me pray for us um, before we get into this. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for your son and what he has done for us. Uh, just open up our eyes to see who you really are. Uh, open up our eyes to see who we really are. And um, we would leave changed. Um, we just pray that you would use this time now um, to accomplish your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so yeah, if you want to put up that slide again. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, the title of uh, the sermon is Seeing the Shepherd. Um, I broke it up into three uh, sections. Didn't get fancy with my outline at all. Uh, the first six verses, the true shepherd, uh, verses 7 through 10, the door of the sheep, and then uh, verses 11 through 21, the good shepherd. So let's, uh, let's, let's jump into that first part, those first six verses. Uh, one of the first uh, tasks that I uh, found helpful when preparing for this was to do a deep dive on sheep, um, as one does. Uh, did you guys spend time researching sheep this week? Uh, I did. And, uh, you know, because it, it's so far removed from our life, I'm assuming there's no shepherds in the crowd right now, like you just got back in from uh, taking care of your sheep. And I'm assuming that probably none of us actually know of someone who that's like their, per, uh, their profession, that's their life. Um, so it's helpful to kind of go back, and Scripture was written uh, at a unique time to a, to a certain people. So to understand what Jesus is saying, we kind of have to do, uh, you know, think about these things. So we see in verse 1, Jesus talks about a person entering a sheepfold, not by the door, but, but climbing in another way. And he says, people who do that are thieves and robbers. And then he says, the true shepherd enters by the door of the sheepfold, and the gatekeeper allows the true shepherd of the sheep access. So what's a sheepfold? Uh, I have a picture if you want to go to the, um, the slide there. Um, so here's a, yeah, a couple examples of what they looked like in Jesus's day. Um, they weren't always made of stone. These, are, uh, these two examples are made out of stone. Sometimes they, these, these enclosures, uh, these, these sheepfolds were made out of wood, or sometimes a shepherd would utilize a, an existing cave to uh, create um, a safe place for their sheep uh, so that predators like wolves would not get them. Um, or at, at night, uh, the, the sheep wouldn't be wandering off as sheep tend to do, uh, that they stay corralled uh, in, in one location. Um, 
I, I think even though they're not always made out of stone and may look like this, I think this is kind of what uh, Jesus had in mind when he mentions uh, this in the first few verses. And the reason is because he talks about a gatekeeper. So another thing I, I learned is a common practice in Jesus's day was for groups of families, like in a, a village, would combine resources and share one sheepfold. Instead of every shepherd having one, there'd be multiple families um, that would have this enclosure. So um, if you met, let's just, for simplicity, imagine there's like four different families who are utilizing this. There's four different shepherds. Uh, each family that has, has like 10 sheep. We got 40 sheep hanging out in here. Um, and what would happen is a gatekeeper or a watchman would at night take care of the sheepfold. Th- that way, the shepherds could then, you know, sleep with their, their, in their homes and, and uh, not, you know, they're doing all their shepherding things during the day. And at night, someone's caring for all 40 of the sheep. Um, and then in the morning, the shepherd would come and the gatekeeper would give access to, oh, I recognize you. You own, you know, that set of sheep. And then the shepherd would uh, proceed to make his uh, sheep call. Um, and I was like, as I was preparing for this, I was like, should I like look into how to do sheep calls and then give you guys a, and I decided not to. So, uh, <laughs> big, help. there we go, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Uh, something like that. Uh, that was not in my notes. I don't know why I just did that. Okay, so, uh, so that concludes my sermon and I will, t- no, <laughs> uh, whoa, what am I doing? Okay. Um, so the morning, the shepherd would come and do his call, probably exactly like I just did. And uh, not all 40 sheep would come, just his 10. Just the 10 that he owned because his sheep know his voice. They know his command. They know his call. And they would, you know, maybe they're chewing on some grass and they hear the call and they look up and they see their shepherd. The other sheep don't even care. They're oblivious. And it says that uh, the shepherd leads out uh, the sheep. So that, I think that makes, help, helped me make sense of verses 3 through 5. It says in the second half, if you look at the passage, verse 3, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. In verse 4, when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And as we saw like, later on in this passage, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. He hasn't identified himself as the shepherd at this point, but we know that's in this metaphor, Jesus is the shepherd. And for us this morning, how comforting, how encouraging, how good is it that this is, this is Jesus. This is the one we follow. Um, Notice how personal, how relational this shepherd-sheep relationship is. Um, The shepherd has named each sheep individually. He knows them, each one of them. Uh, He can tell them apart. It's not like he just looks out and it's just this flock that's blur. You know, it's like, ah, those are my, uh, that's, you know, my flock. No, he can, yes, it's his flock, but he can look and see each individual and knows them. It's as if the, the shepherd, you know, is like, yeah, okay, that sheep right over there, you know, the one with the, the oval markings on, on her ear, that's, that's Penelope. I was trying to think of a good, I don't know, I have no idea what name to give. Penelope came to my mind, okay? Or you see, yeah, thank you, I appreciate that. Or you see that sheep right there, you know, the one with like the, the silly looking teeth, okay? That's Joey, 
Okay, we love Joey. I, I don't know like that. So there are there's a specific name that that the shepherd has given to uh, to the sheep, and and this shows us that Jesus, he knows us. He he is a relational leader. He knows us as a whole body, and he knows us individually. What we've experienced this past week, um, the hardship you're going through, the suffering you're going through, your childhood, your past, your present, what you will. Um, what he'll lead you into in the future, and he knows you. And not only does the shepherd know the sheep, but also the passage says that the sheep know the shepherd. Um, they recognize his voice. When Jesus calls, his people listen. Um, another thing, uh, an interesting observation I came across in my study was uh, the like Middle Eastern uh, shepherding, the, the practice was like this, where the shepherd leads in the front and the sheep follow, right? Um, whereas in Western uh, style of, of shepherds, like maybe think of Ireland or something, you would have a sheepdog, right? You maybe have seen videos of that where they're, and they're not leading from the front, they're like chasing the sheep from the back and corralling them in. Um, and the fact that, that Jesus uses this metaphor to describe his style of leadership, I think, is really insightful. Jesus isn't leading us into the places of our lives from the back and corralling us and saying, okay, go on ahead. Jesus is, is a leader who, who goes before us and is taking the lead and um, is, is the one who is at the front of the flock, paving the way. And just even applying this into our own lives, like he doesn't lead us into any place that he himself has not walked. Um, we follow in Jesus's footsteps. And I would just ask you, like, is this how you see Jesus this morning? Do you see him leading you? Maybe you're going through a season of suffering or hardship or grief. And do you see yourself in that situation like Jesus has thrown you into it and he's saying, good luck? Or do you see that Christ has already gone before you? He is leading you into these places, whether you like it or not, and he is there. And this was, and, and you can have confidence in that. And in verse 5, it says, if you look at verse 5, it says that the sheep won't listen to a stranger. Um, an imposter shepherd can't get away with trying to mimic the true shepherd's call and expect the sheep to follow because they won't. Um, they'll flee. Um, and in my study, this, what was helpful uh, for me was looking at the previous chapter, kind of seeing the context of what's going on uh, to better understand this verse in particular. So as a summary, if you weren't here with us last week in chapter 9, uh, what happened is Jesus gave sight to a man who was born blind, and he did this on the Sabbath, a, a Jewish holy day reserved for rest and not for work, uh, not a day to heal people. And this made the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, angry. They protested this healing. You know, this, this was not supposed to happen. They tried to get to the bottom of it. They, uh, they interrogated uh, the man who was healed, like, who did this to you? And they brought in his parents as well. And finally, the man who was healed, you see, he was having the best day of his life. And then these religious leaders are like, kind of just like, uh, in, you know, keep bothering him about this. And the man who was healed finally gets tired of it and concludes that, I don't know exactly who the man was who healed me. We know it as Jesus, but this, this man must have been from God. He is not a sinner. He must be from God. And, you know, the religious leaders of the day, they already had uh, issues with Jesus. And this, this particular statement from the healed man 
led the religious leaders to cast out the healed man from their presence. Which being cast out by like the dominant leaders of that culture who, who would uh, shape the daily life of the people, daily interactions, uh, worship, to be cast out from that um, would have had you know, social and, and spiritual consequences for this man. And he was getting cast out. And uh, he was on the fringe. You know, someone could have observed that situation and been like, that's like a sheep without a shepherd. Because if you're looking at that story and you're seeing the Pharisees as the shepherds of Israel, then this man who has just been cast out is now like a sheep without a shepherd. Um, and, that, and this is what I think what, where Jesus goes into this metaphor is he sees, and it says in chapter 9, he's, he saw this happen. He went and found the healed man, and he introduces himself as the son of man, and, and the man proceeds to like give his life to Christ and fall down and worship. Um, and, uh, and Jesus is seeing this happen, and he goes into this metaphor of, of being the shepherd of, of God's true flock, of God's people. And, and we've seen, uh, even just thinking about the previous sermons in this uh, section of Scripture, in, in chapters 8 through 10, we've seen Jesus say that he's the light of the world. Jesus is the one who allows us to see reality as it really is. He enlightens us. like He allows us to see what is true and real. And when we see that, we see that the true shepherd of God's people is Christ himself. And the true flock of God are those who follow him and have given their life to him. Um, we, we, uh, at the end of our passage this morning, if you look at uh, verses 19 through 21, uh, John calls us back and reminds us of chapter 9. I don't know if you noticed that when we read it earlier. It says in verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? After Jesus says all the stuff about being the good shepherd who's going to lay down his life for his sheep, some people are like, this guy's crazy. Um, but others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? As if to bracket this metaphor of sheep shepherd within that, the, the healing of the blind man. So I think what's happening here is Jesus is showing us that not only does he open the eyes, the physical eyes of people so that they can see, but he opens our spiritual eyes to see who God really is and who we are um, in relation to him. I think at this point it'd be helpful uh, if we uh, turn back to Ezekiel um, chapter 34. Um, and uh, I think that it will help provide some further clarity to this as well. So Ezekiel, it's in the Old Testament, uh, and it's not going to be up on the screen because we're going to be looking at a number of verses in that chapter, 34. And uh, it's in between Lamentations and Daniel. So if you see either of those books, you're getting close. It's about two-thirds of the way through the Bible. Um, and as we read, I'm going to read just a, a collection of, of sections in chapter 34. Uh, and as, as I read these, I want you to think about Jesus' words as the true shepherd of Israel and these Pharisees, these religious leaders as um, in, like imposter shepherds or these, this stranger or even like a thief or a robber. Like they're a, an illusion of the true shepherd uh, of, of Israel. So um, Ezekiel 34 looks like 
you guys are there. Um, let, me, let me begin reading in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you've ruled them. So these first four verses, it's a sobering indictment of the leaders of Israel. The, the leaders are only thinking of themselves. They are focused on their own needs, their own wants. They're not feeding or caring for the sheep. And just like the leaders in chapter 9 uh, of John who didn't sell, if you think about this, the man was born blind. We don't know exactly how old he was, but... Um, and then he receives his sight from Jesus. What a reason to celebrate. Like, what a reason to, like, just absolutely, like, give God praise for, like, breaking in and restoring this broken world and making things new. And that's, that's and, but that's not, <laughs> the religious leaders are so bent out of shape about it. And they end up just kicking the man out of, of the places of worship and saying, no, 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 get out of here. Um, let's get, uh, let's go back. Okay, Ezekiel 34. Let, why don't we skip down to, uh, verse 10, uh, verse 10 of 34. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them. And I can't help but think of Jesus seeking out, finding this healed man, inviting him into the true flock of God, and saying, no, 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 you, you, you are actually seeing it correctly. These guys got it wrong. He brings, seeks him out and brings him into the fold of God. Let's skip down to verse 15, down to 15 of Ezekiel 34. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. God's speaking here and saying, I will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Which... That's a pretty intense line right there. I will feed them in justice. Skip to verse 22. Um, really focusing on this one. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. So we see here Ezekiel is, is calling the people to, to the Davidic covenant. The promise that from the line of David, a descendant of David, will be the true king of Israel. Will be the true leader 
of God's people. And, um, and just thinking about this passage in John, um, if you want to turn back to John 10, uh, just thinking about Jesus seeing this man be cast out from the so-called shepherds of Israel, Jesus reflecting on his purpose and his mission on this earth, that he is uh, this shepherd that Ezekiel 34 is talking about, that Jesus is the one who will do this, um, I think brings, brings these two things together. And, and what an encouragement it is that Jesus has not stopped doing this, right? Jesus continues to do this today. He seeks out his sheep. He calls them to himself. He brings them under his care and protection. And he's doing that in the world today. He's doing that in McMinnville today. So as we, as we move through this passage, uh, let's, let's look at verses uh, 7 through 10. Um, and I guess before we get to verse 7, verse 6 says, you know, this figure of speech Jesus used, but they didn't understand what he was saying. So uh, Jesus is like, okay, let me talk more directly about who I'm talking about, what's going on here. And he says in verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. So he keeps using this sheepfold imagery, <clears throat> but now he switches who he is in the metaphor. Uh, he, he isn't the shepherd any longer. Now, in this image that he's wanting us to see is that he's the, the door. Um, in, in other words, uh, it is only through Jesus that one becomes a part of God's flock. Uh, it is only through him, the door of the sheep, that one can find life, find protection, find care inside the shepherd's sheepfold. Um, Anyone else who tries to enter from another way is a thief and a robber. Anyone who teaches or leads others that life in God can be found in any other place is a thief and a robber. And uh, as I reflected on this passage and tried to like apply it to my own life, um, it made me ask the question, like, what do we look to besides Jesus to be that door? that will save us, to be that door that will fix the brokenness in our lives and fix um, the brokenness in our hearts. Like, what is, like this morning and this past week, what was, what's the doorway that we think is going to lead us to life, abundant life, where we are fulfilled and content and have joy and peace, a life um, abundant and what are we looking to? Uh, are we looking to our family to be able to accomplish that for us? Our, our friends? Are we looking towards other people, other loved ones that we think uh, will give us access to that life that Jesus is talking about? Um, maybe, maybe it's uh, recognition or approval or praise from other people. Like, this is the doorway to life. I will find life if people will finally realize and, and, uh, or finally give me credit for what I've been doing or something like that. Or, or maybe it's uh, the prospect of like a new job, right? Or a new career. Like you're equating the problems in your life around your career or, or your job. And if only I could find a different one, then things would sort themselves out and I could finally step into this life 
that I desire, where I will be content and fulfilled. Maybe we look to our financial investments or our assets and we, we think of this. If I can secure those and I can build upon them, that is the doorway to life. That's what I'm going to look to to enter the life that, that I want. Or are we looking to Jesus to, and him alone this morning to be that, to be the door? Um, and what I'm not saying is that just trust in Jesus and your life will be perfect, right? Uh, just trust in Jesus and uh, make him the door of your life that leads to life and it'll all be rainbows and kittens and uh, I don't know, all, all those things. So, um, <clears throat> because one thing we, we know about our shepherd, one thing we know about Jesus um, is that he leads us into places that have difficult terrain. Um, he leads us into to places of hardship and suffering. And as a part of his good plan, our shepherd will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. So we can't expect... Um, by making Jesus the door that we enter the abundant life, we can't expect that that will lead us to always experience green pastures and calm, cool waters at all times. But what we can have confidence in and what we can expect is that he's not going anywhere. Whether we feel it or not, he's in front of us leading us. And we can have confidence that the eventual destination that he's leading us towards is an, an eternal pasture of peace. That this life is, is not the end of the story. That the destination that our shepherd is leading us towards is a place where streams of living water are abundant, where we can have this fulfillment and contentment and joy and peace with God's people and with God himself. And all those things inside of us that are broken will be made new. And we can have that hope. We, and he, he invites us in the here and now to experience that life as we wait for his return and as we wait for those things to be realized. Um, I was very encouraged by that truth that Jesus is ahead of us. He is leading us. And even though it's going to take us into places that are challenging and we don't want, <laughs> uh, we need to keep following him. We need to keep following him. Don't wander off. It's just going to make it worse. Because sheep do that, right? They just kind of wander off and, and do their own thing. Um, when we are in the valley of the shadow of death, let's stay following him, even when it's, when it's difficult. And that, that, the last section, um, uh, seeing the good shepherd, uh, in verses 11 through 18, uh, So for, the, for this section, um, uh, I, I want to, what I want to do is just emphasize one thing that I see kind of as the heartbeat behind all of the words that Jesus gives in this section. Um, as he talks about the good shepherd that lays his life down for the sheep. As he talks about the fact that there's these other sheep, which is referring to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, us, Right? He's referring to us and saying, you know, my plan is not exclusive to the Jewish people. 
It's to them and to the whole world, all nations, all people, all languages. So he says that about this. Uh, he says words about that in this section. He talks about the that this plan of salvation is 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 not. It's not just his. It's the Father's as well, and they're unified in this decision. Um, and he talks about his authority that's been given to him by the Father later on at the end, where you know it's not. It was his own decision to die on the cross and rise again. Um, so what I want to share is just this one thing that I see kind of holding or just as the heartbeat, as I said earlier, the thread, the thing that's kind of like behind this, these verses. And, um, and that is just the absolute love that Jesus has for his sheep. It just, it just kind of jumps out at you, like how much he cares for them. The extent of the good shepherd's love for the sheep. Um, it's over the top, right? It's unheard of. It's, it's a love that you can't find anywhere else except from the good shepherd. We're not going to find it from other people. Maybe a glimpse of it. But this type of love is, is only found in God. And uh, later on in John, I think it's in chapter 15, Jesus says, Greater love has no man than this, to lay down one's life to die for one's friends, to die so that others may live, to be a substitute, to be a sacrifice. And, and Jesus doesn't want us to miss the fact that he is, he's dead set on dying for his sheep um, because he repeats it three times. Uh, in verse 11, he says he's going to lay down his life. In verse 15, he says, I'm going to lay down my life. In verse 17, he says, I'm going to lay down my life. When the wolf comes... The good shepherd is not going to flee, and he intends to die so that the sheep can live. When the wolf comes, he's not going to flee like a hired hand would, as he says in this passage, because a hired hand does not own the sheep, right? The hired hand is just in it for the paycheck, okay? The hired hand might enjoy the sheep, like different ones, some of them, uh, but when push comes to shove and there's a threat and there's danger that comes, that hired hand is peacing. He's heading out and he, he's, he's leaving because uh, that's, you know, he, he doesn't have that ownership over and this, this, this investment in the sheep. And Jesus, his sheep are his own possession. They belong to him. Um, when the wolf comes, the good shepherd is standing in front of his flock and dies for the sheep so that they don't have to. And, and that's, that's what the cross means to us, um, that when the time came, Jesus didn't flee. He didn't run away. When the time came for his death, which was the plan all along to save the world, he didn't run. I don't know if you've ever been faced with like pressure and anxiety or just even thinking like I have a tendency when I get stressed out to want to flee, <laughs> to run away, find a place of safety. But Jesus stayed his ground. He stayed, uh, he took the mockery, the shame, the punishment, the death upon himself uh, so that we don't have to. And, and he did this because he loves his sheep and they belong to him. And uh, here's, here's a question for us this morning um, that I, 
that I know I need to be asking myself. Does Jesus' love for his sheep, is it because his sheep are righteous, honorable, because they deserve it? Um, like, is that why Jesus did these things? Um, no. His love is directed at us because he loves us because he loves us. And um, Romans uh, 5, I think, is very helpful. I have it up on the screen if you want to turn there. Nevi, thank you. Uh, Romans 5, 6 through 8. Um, just speaks to this. It says this. <clears throat> and if, if you're not in Christ, if you're not a follower of Jesus, like, please, really listen to these words and just and think about God's love for you. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, um, let us be reminded of this. Uh, this is something we need to be reminded of daily. For while we were still weak, weak like a sheep, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still weak, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if, we, if we're to receive the life that Jesus has promised in this passage, this abundant life, um, if we are to enter through him as the door to this life into the fold of God, um, there's something we have to come to terms with uh, and we have to be offended by. Um, you know, we have to accept that we are sheep, right? If you think about it, that's not a very flattering Thing to be associated with. <laughs> uh, we have to be offended by the fact that this is, when I, when I take off my mask, when I, when I really can see myself for who I am and my need and my dependence, like, we have to be offended by the fact that we are sheep and trust God's word that this is who we are. And, 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 that, and that's uh that you know, like that's that's a very difficult thing, um, and we have to um, we have to be offended by the fact that that we are sinners, and that we don't measure up, and and to trust that 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 is that's who we are, and but that's not where God wants to leave us, right? That He wants to lead us into this new life. But the first step into entering through the door is to come to terms with that. And, um, and it's, it's so easy to be deceived I like, and just be like, well, I know I need help here and there. I need some assistance, you know, when life gets difficult. But generally, I got it figured out, okay? I wouldn't say I need a savior. I don't need to be saved, <laughs> Um, or we might be deceived into thinking like, I'm not really like, okay, I can see where like that batch of Christians would be considered sheep because <laughs> that makes sense. But me, I'm not like that. You know, they, they really do need a shepherd, man. They, they better, you know, be following after somebody or else they're going to hurt themselves. And we can be deceived into thinking, I got this, we got, I got this figured out and I can, I'm, I'm not dependent like that and weak like that and, and need Jesus every moment of the day and be, and be following after him 
and dependent upon upon him uh, each each step. Um, so I think I think what I want to do to kind of just close um, is um, I think I, I, well, yeah I think I'll invite Yehuda and the band up um, at this point and and we're going to be we're going to be singing of of Jesus's love uh, for us uh, in a moment and. Uh, I think um, I guess I'll just I'll, I'll speak to those of if you haven't made uh, Jesus your good shepherd, and maybe this morning's the first time that you have the Spirit has used His Word to reveal that to you because that's what He does and that's what He's in the business of doing. Um, if if you find yourself coming this morning feeling tired and weak and saying, I can't do this anymore, okay? I can't, I've tried being the leader of my life and it's not working so hot. <laughs> Things are going bad. If you're in that place, I invite you to make Jesus the shepherd of your soul. I, in, I invite you to, um, to make that step, to say that's, I want to be, a part of his flock and follow him and commit my life to him and receive life that he's talking about uh, in, in the present and, and in the life to come. And if, if that's you, I, I, uh, I invite you after the service, um, after the song, uh, to come forward. I'd love to talk to you. Um, we also have a prayer team up here who would love to talk to you as well and pray, pray with you about uh, what that looks like and what that means to, to follow Jesus. So... And then for all of us, the rest of us who are current followers of Jesus, um, I think I'll, I just want to address something that, that you may be thinking because that's something that I, I sometimes think when I hear people uh, give this, this type of message. Um, you know, okay, we're talking about Jesus' love for his sheep. I've heard this before, right? Uh, that's one of the first songs I, I learned was Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Okay, should we not move on to more, uh, I don't know, more complex things like this is this is elementary stuff that we're dealing with here. We need to move on to to, to deeper things. And um, I would just challenge you. This is that's a very dangerous place to be. Um, we should never tire of singing of the love of Jesus, reflecting on the love of Jesus. We should never tire of being reminded of our need for Him. That we were born uh, as humans as de- dependent creatures. That's really easy for us Americans to be like claim independence, right? <laughs> um, but we were born to have a relationship with the shepherd and for to be, to be dependent on him. And um, that's not a sign of, of, of weakness in like a, 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 I guess, offensive way. That's just more living in, in reality. <laughs> living in the reality that I was born needing a shepherd. And, um, and Jesus is the one. So uh, if you could throw up that, that verse in Revelation before we sing, um, I, if that's kind of where you find yourself kind of resistant to the message, this is kind of, you know, I've heard this before. Uh, I think this, this passage would be fitting. Um, Revelation 2, uh, 3 through 5. So this is uh, um, 
speaking to the church in Ephesus, and so speaking to followers of Jesus, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So this is a, a portrait of, of a Christian who is following, um, you know, is, is committed. But then it says this, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. God never wants us to stay in that place. Repentance is simply turning from one way of living into a new way of living. So if, if you find yourself, your love for Christ has grown cold, maybe you're just kind of this, this uh, I'm just enduring patiently, bearing up for namesake, just doing the thing. Um, let us turn from that. Let us go to God with our hearts open that we would not abandon the love that we had when we first saw Jesus and we realized the love that he has for us. Um, and and let, us, let us be a church that, that, uh, that sings of, of his praises and that um, responds to him in love. So um, Yehuda and the band are going to be uh, kind of wrapping up and then I'll come um, up and, and kind of close our service after we sing.